Ryan Arnold. And I'm Joel McReynolds. And we are both Stevenson Center Applied Community and Economic Development Fellows pursuing Master's in Political Science at Illinois State University. And we're going to talk about our experience as fellows and in our placements in the second year of the program. And we're also going to talk a little bit about organizational culture and things that we're learning right now. So Joel, why don't you start us off by talking a little bit about your background? What brought you here? Sure. So I attended college uh, for public administration and ethnic and racial studies at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, which is in southwest Wisconsin. And after graduating, I wasn't sure exactly what to do, so I joined AmeriCorps, and I worked for two years with the UW Extension System in northwest Wisconsin, uh, working with Somali refugees, uh, doing various uh, community projects and starting a community garden and, and things of that nature. And then after that, I spent a couple years working as a freelancer for different nonprofits. And so throughout these experiences, I uh, saw a lot of different boards and a lot of different uh, organizations and the culture within them and just how different they were and uh, what a difference that could make between the employees and their, their view of their job and things like that. Um, and so I always thought that organizational culture was something really important to want to talk about. So Ryan, what's what was your background? I studied global affairs and international <laughs> development at George Mason University, and I graduated in 2011 and went to Cameroon to serve as a Peace Corps volunteer, where I worked with youth development projects, um, doing nonprofit management support for local nonprofits, and I worked a lot with HIV. My experience there led to a job in Kenya with a nonprofit that worked with HIV in Nairobi and some other cities in Kenya. And I was doing uh, operations and program um, development with that nonprofit there. I left that job to come back for graduate school and found this program at the Stevenson Center and was really drawn to the emphasis on community development and um, the applied research aspect of this program. So being able to study things in an academic setting, but then also have this work placement where we're putting things into practice and we're doing research on the ground about how organizations work and how community development happens. Joel, why don't you talk a little bit about where you're placed this year? Yeah, so I'm actually here locally at Normal, Illinois, working for the WD Boys Council, which is the local Boy Scouts organization. And through them, I am coordinating a program called Scout Reach, which provides an after-school program of Cub Scouts for free to low-income youth. And so I oversee that program and run a small staff here uh, working to provide those programs for free. How about you, Ryan? I'm placed at the Berwyn Development Corporation just outside of Chicago, and we do economic development Chamber of Commerce services for the city of Berwyn. My role has been working with community surveys and developing a strategic plan for the organization. Um, so let's talk a little bit about organizational culture, Joel. Yeah, so first off, I want to say we're going to give a lot of examples of bad organizational culture and uh, nothing that we're mentioning are our current placements. And so I just want to make that disclaimer so everybody knows we're not just bad-mouthing uh, the places we're currently at. But these are experiences that we've had in the past. Um, and then with that, I want to start out with a definition of organizational culture. And according to businessdictionary.com, they have a pretty succinct definition. And they define it as the values and behaviors that contribute to the unique social and psychological environment of an organization. 
So organizational culture is, you know, just how people interact with one another and the kind of the behavior that they have because of that. Yeah, and I think organizational culture is something really important to talk about because it affects the quality of your programs as a nonprofit. It's an integrity issue of whether you're actually living out the values that you as an organization hold. It can also just simply be um, a factor into whether or not you're excited to go to the office in the morning. So this is, it's a really important thing to discuss and to make sure that your organization is doing it right. Yeah, and we all know the importance of like social norms and the power that in-group versus out-group and, and, and concepts like that have. And so being aware of that as functioning within an organization, and not just at a societal level, but just within an organization, I think is really important for the health of the organization and to know as an employee um, kind of the factors that are influencing how you approach work and the things that are impacting you. So with that, I'd like to talk about some experiences that we've had in the past. So Ryan, have you had, do you have any examples of bad organizational culture that you'd like to share? This, the example that I have is how organizational structure can affect culture. With the nonprofit that I worked in with in the past, I saw how there was um, a real disconnect between directors and people who were making decisions and the people who were on the ground actually doing work. So there were a lot of issues being brought up by people who had no decision-making authority. It kind of created this culture where people weren't giving feedback because they felt like no action was going to be taken. So there was really a lack of communication between people on the ground and people in the office. And so that it was kind of a structural issue that was affecting culture, making people feel like they weren't being heard. And it was really affecting the quality of the programming. Sure, yeah, I've seen that too with kind of the silo of silos of power and just how people kind of all have their designated spaces of what they control and then people who don't feel like they have a say in something, you know, don't contribute into solutions, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've definitely seen that. And another example I've seen is just is gossip and, and bad-mouthing each other of, you know, everyone's in the room and you're all smiling with each other and then as soon as someone leaves, usually the boss, everyone starts uh, tearing them apart. It, so it creates this, this culture of negativity, but also makes you really worried about yourself and what people are saying about you. And so there's this mistrust that develops between workers and this uncertainty about you know how they feel about you and whether they value you as a colleague and, and things like that. And it can really start to eat away at um, not only your productivity, but your your enjoyment and your fulfillment from your work. So enough negativity. How about some positive examples? Sure. So one of the easiest things that I can think of, but also just made such a big difference, was spending time together, usually around lunch. And when I was at UW Extension, from right away, every day's lunch was pretty important. People would even wait for each other to finish with their tasks, so we'd all go to lunch at the same time uh, in the break room. And I didn't really realize what a value this was until I went to other organizations where during lunch, even if people were in the same room, everyone just stayed at their computer and ate alone and no one communicated. And the bond that I developed at UW Extension were much faster and much stronger than any that I developed at these other organizations who provided this space to, to be able to spend time together when you're not talking about work or at an official meeting. 
Yeah, I think that that's so important. Um, having social connections, having time where you're talking about things that aren't related to work, just to talk to how every organization is different. And so you kind of have to adapt these practices. In my experience, I actually really value lunchtime as being alone <laughs> because we're all we're constantly collaborating and talking and working together in the office. And I sometimes need a break. And I've also found that when the times that we as an office have lunch together, the same dynamics that are going on in the office just continue at lunch. So I found it really helpful to have lunch by myself and then occasionally have one person join me. So say like, hey, Joel, let's have lunch. Can we have lunch together on Tuesday? And like, then with that one person, we can kind of create more of a bond and try to create a relationship that's not related to work. I'd love to have lunch with you on Tuesday. Aw, thanks, Joel. <laughs> Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you can encourage positive culture. One thing that I think is really helpful is to not just to point out what you don't like about what's going on in the organization, because that can contribute to creating this uh, negativity and becoming part of the problem where you're just complaining with each other about what's wrong. So looking, working for what you want to see in the organization, um, something that I've found really helpful um, comes from a quote that I really like by W. Clement Stone, who says, tell everyone what you want to do and someone will want to help you do it. A really silly example that I have of this is I wanted to start doing yoga in the office, just five minute yoga breaks. And I started just saying that out loud, that that was something I'd want to see. And I had one person say, oh yeah, that would be really beneficial. And so me and Judy started doing five minute yoga breaks and slowly other people started joining us. And so that's just a silly example of how you can start just speaking what you want to see happen and finding people who agree with you and then making that change happen. Joel, what are some thoughts you have about encouraging positive organizational culture or discouraging negative culture? Well, I think the point you made about not getting sucked into like a cycle of the negativity is is really important. In their book, No Hard Feelings by Liv Fosling and Molly West Duffy, they talk a lot about creating a healthy emotional environment for organizations in the workplace. And one of the things that they mention as encouraging that is to, is to not get pulled in by those complainers. And they give a couple of practical tips with that. And something that I've found useful is that, you know, if someone is constantly complaining to you, trying to turn that into talking about action. So, you know, if they're upset about a certain project or complaining about their boss, ask them questions like, so what can you do about that now? Or what are the next steps to resolve this or whatever that may be? And the other thing is watching your, your nonverbal cues, uh, because I found that I often am kind of smiling or nodding along with people when they're complaining in, in an attempt to kind of sympathize with them or to show them that I'm actively listening. But I think a lot of times, and they point this out in the book, that that is encouraging them to just keep complaining. And so what you can do about that, you know, to, to make them understand that you do understand and you do sympathize, but you're not there to just listen to them complain constantly. That's such good advice. And it's something that I've experienced. Definitely trying to be empathetic to someone, have walked away from a conversation where they think that I agree with them. And so I've definitely had to learn how to be sympathetic, but then also to say, to try to reframe what they're saying and like, okay, if this is something that you are complaining about, let's talk about a solution or let, trying to move away from just complaining and make it more constructive. But it, yeah, it's not easy. I think that as we're talking about encouraging change in an organization, um, it can look different 
when you have authority and when you don't. And I think Joel and I both have had experience in nonprofits where we do have authority and we're able to change things. Right now, we're both learning what it looks like as a fellow who doesn't have a lot of authority, who is not heading a program or directing an organization. What does it look like to encourage change kind of from the bottom? So let's start by talking a little bit about what it looks like to affect change in an organization from the top. Yeah, well, I think people can imagine it's pretty easy sometimes. I mean, obviously, the bigger the organization or the more embedded a certain culture is, that's that's going to take longer to do. But if you're in a position of authority, um, it's a lot easier. I work. I was working at a nonprofit as the as the director, and I wanted to completely shift their marketing strategy and kind of the brand of the organization. It was a lot easier for me to do that because I could communicate those changes to all the volunteers and to the board members. I could change the website and the social media and at board meetings, I could constantly repeat our new method of how we approach these things. Um, And so it didn't take very long and it was because I was in that position. But I've also been in times where I've been on the bottom of an organization and it takes much longer, if at all, to enact that kind of social change. Yeah, I think when you talk about affecting change from the top, it's about leveraging your authority. And sometimes that means giving your authority to other people, using your authority to elevate voices that need to be heard. Thinking back to the example I was giving earlier of the organization where there was this disconnect between the directors and the people on the ground, two things that I was able to encourage and change in that organization. One thing that I did was I took the people, I had the authority to do this, which I was grateful for. I took the people who were the most vocal about bringing these issues from the ground And I created a task force for them that gave them the authority to create a report and to to elevate these issues in a way that wasn't just them complaining. It was them feeling like they had a stake in the organization. And it had the task force gave them this authority that the directors were paying a little more attention. Something else that came out of this was the directors themselves saw suddenly the disconnect and they enacted a change where they started going to the field more often. They had several times a month scheduled where they would just go work in one of the field offices and they wouldn't come there as the director. They would just go and work alongside people and see what the realities were like on the ground. And that really significantly shifted the way that people felt about the hierarchy and the, the role that they had in the organization. Yeah, that's a really good example of uh, change within an organizational culture. So how about from the bottom, what can we do? Because it's, it's a little easier to imagine that if you have authority, how do you make change? But what if you don't have any authority? Yeah, so when you're talking about change from the bottom and when you don't really have a lot of authority, you kind of have to focus on small things that you can do. Something that Joel and I have been talking about is a concept called the 10-5 rule that came out of customer service and the hotel industry where um, to create positive interactions with people. When you're 10 feet away from someone, you make eye contact and smile. And when you're within five feet, you verbally greet them. And it seems like a very scientific way to approach social interaction. But sometimes you do have to be that conscious about it, especially when you're in an office setting where people are stuck in patterns. Sometimes you do have to just have this plan, make a plan to change things. And so so sometimes you do have to approach it a little bit scientifically, like the 10-5 rule. My personal experience recently, I realized that when I was arriving in the office, I would just go to 
to my office. So I'd pass by two people and say good morning to them and then go to my desk. And there were three people past my desk who I wasn't saying good morning to because it took extra effort to walk past my desk and say hi to them. I kind of got called out on that. And so now I make an effort of every morning I walk past my desk, say good morning to them. And then in the evening I go and say goodbye to them. And it's a, adding unnecessary steps, but it actually makes a huge difference. And someone had told me that they were feeling really isolated and sometimes they didn't even know whether or not they were alone in the office. And just having that little extra effort made such a difference in us feeling like we were a team. And something small like that can be something you can do to affect change in an organization. Yeah, those small actions are so important. And back to that Feisling and Wes Duffy book, No Hard Feelings, they talk about micro actions, which I'm sure you've heard of microaggressions, which are indirect or unintentional moments of exclusion. So micro actions are kind of uh, the antithesis of that, where you're doing small, kind things and some of their examples they give, I mean, these these are just like examples of what you should do in social situations. But for some reason in the workplace and in organizations, sometimes people don't do these things for whatever reason. And so some examples are like using people's names and learning how to correctly pronounce them and using them in meetings and when you're talking to them. And if you're in a conversation and someone new comes over, you catch them up and, you know, welcome them into the conversation don't multitask. I'm, I'm bad at that. If somebody starts talking to me and I'm in the middle of writing something on the computer, I usually keep doing it while they're talking to me. Um, so I, I need to watch that myself. And then asking people to eat with you, kind of like what Ryan said before, even if you don't as a whole group or an organization spend time together, you can ask people one-on-one -on -one to go grab a coffee or have something to eat or whatever that may be. So those small actions can make a huge difference in an organizational culture and there are things that you can do personally at any level you're at within an organization. I think something to keep in mind is that culture is patterns and so in order to change a culture it just takes one person to kind of disrupt that pattern to ask a question to reframe something to behave differently and you don't need a lot of authority to do that you just have to be brave enough confident enough to ask a question, to reframe something. So having that confidence. And then I also think there's an element of persistence and a willingness to follow through and do work. So an example of that is I brought an issue up in a meeting and initially I was dismissed. I then, after the meeting, came up to my supervisor and said, hey, this is something that I think is really important for us to reconsider. Can I do some research on this and come back to you with an with a report about it and he said yes and so when i did do the research and brought it back it actually changed the way that we as an organization were approaching this issue and so what i learned from that is the confidence to bring up the question but then to pers be persistent and then be willing to be the person who does the work to make a change happen because it does take work and it reminds me of a quote by adelaide stevenson who our program is named after who says Change is inevitable, but change for the better is a full-time job. And hopefully our full-time jobs once we graduate. <laughs> yes. Well, Ryan, unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Thank you for having this conversation with me. Thanks, Joel. In conclusion, if you're at a place with bad culture, don't lose hope. There are little things you can do to make a difference. Even if you don't feel like you have authority, you can make a difference. And with that, I'm Joel McReynolds. And I'm Ryan Arnold. Thanks for listening. Bye.